Welcome to the pre-show. Welcome to the pre-show. So I've got a bone to pick. With uh, you have a bone to pick with Bryn. I have a bone to pick with you. What did I do? Carry on. Go ahead. Yeah. So apparently somebody got paid to record a little message for your anniversary. Yet everyone else seems to have done it as a volunteer. Oh. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of miffed at that. You know, I'm a popular huh. podcaster. I'm uh, I used to, I I have a great clout on my social and I was taken advantage of. <laughs> you are going to have to have a conversation with Bryn about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you reminded me that I have a bone to pick with you. What did I do? So we have spent the last four months interviewing people in the music industry. Yeah. Musicians, engineers. I feel like I better apologize right up front. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. We have okay. spent the last four months interviewing people behind music, and we've behind. been interviewing them virtually yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. From home. Yes. Because of COVID-19. Yeah. And one of the topics that comes up time and time again is what does the future of venues look like? What venues will be able to survive okay. through all this? What, what, what do concerts look like in the future? And you have an argument with me on Twitter yes. about the value of building a esports stadium right now. And when I said right now, I did say that in the tweet. I didn't say forever. I didn't say whatever. But right now, why would you build a stadium not knowing what does the configuration have to look like? What are the health concerns? You didn't say that. Show up. No, I'm talking about this right now. That's why I said to you, I said, we're going to discuss this on the pre-show. Okay. So, you can now explain to me why yes. we have had all these discussions with musicians yeah. who are struggling to stay alive or stay, not stay alive, but stay survive financially through this. Yeah. And you are arguing that it is a good time to build an esports stadium. I never said that though. I posted that uh, some team was yep. the Toronto the- team, right? Toronto-based team was uh, uh, in the planning stages of building a stadium or, yep. or a venue. Let's call it a venue. Yes. Because I don't want to call it a stadium when people think of... But it was a stadium. single purpose. I mean, it, it, from what I, the impression I got, it was a single purpose venue. Possibly. Yeah. Or primary purpose. Okay. Primary purpose. Fair enough. I, I would go with that. And if they want to do that with their money... Um, then go for it. And I said, I, I, I said I, I, an organization with money, I didn't yeah. say to burn, but I implied to burn. Sure. Because I don't think it's responsible yeah. for any organization right now to be building a venue, yeah. not knowing 
what the future of venues look like. And I'm not even talking the health of, the, of other venues. I'm just talking about like, like, what do you do? Do you build two seats every six feet apart right now? Do you? Well, how, how long does it take to, to build something? And, and I ask that rhetorically because you and I, I don't know necessarily know the answer to that, you know, building. My family's been in construction for 750 years, okay? No, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hi, everyone. This is Count Colassi from Toronto, Ontario. I am a new LGBTQ artist in hip-hop, making my own lane. And I want to thank Welcome to the Music podcast for having me on today. All right. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. No worries, man. So are, are you currently in Toronto? I'm actually just on the outskirts of Toronto. I live in a small town called Milton. So it's still within the GTA. And okay. it's on the west side, so west past end. Mississauga. But I do all my music and all my work with my engineers in the downtown core of Toronto. Nice, nice. Um, first of all, congrats on the new EP. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. Seven Deadly Sins. I've uh, had a chance uh, to listen to a couple of them, especially the one uh, with uh, Chuck Lair Yeah. on it. <laughs> so that must have been exciting. That was uh, definitely a humbling experience coming from literally a small town gay kid in the suburb of Milton. You know, I actually saw Chuck Lair uh, when he was on tour with Classified and Maestro Fresh West. They were doing the Canadians Classic Tour. And then when they did that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get one of these guys or some big Canadian icon heavy hitter to come in on this album. Yeah. So me being the bold personality that I am, I went right into the DMs and got rejection, 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 rejection. Then I got to Chuck Lair and he's like, I'm down. I love this song. I'm fully in it. Uh, let me know what you want me to do and how long uh, do I have to get you the verse? And I was like, whoa, it's happening. <laughs> that is awesome. so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to write that down, Greg. I'm going to call up some of my, some of my heroes. I didn't know it's that Matt, easy. Matt Damon. Just, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have an, we have an ongoing joke that uh, we have, we have somebody that we're trying to get on the show. Right. And, um, we, we, we have nicknamed him Matt Damon for now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. we're, having, we're having a challenge. Not a challenge, yes. but a challenge. coordination. Anyway, we we anyway. have a story. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> that, I digress. That, that, that can go on. Um, but let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Because um, I know you, you come from the, the, the PR space. Uh, you've done some ghostwriting. Let, let, let's go back and, you know, music must have been sort of in your life well before um, just over the past few months or so. Um, when, when did you, when, when did music first enter your life in terms of you performing and stuff? 
Um, literally, I started embodying the Count Classy identity as an artist, like January 2018 is when I decided to change over my entire persona. I deviated from my birth name. I'm, you know, my birth name is Matthew. And now I start calling myself Count Classy wherever I go. And that's when I started uh, just kind of like going with this, with this aura and identity. And that's when I started performing as Count Classy. Um, I was supposed to do an incredible concert um, in support of Sick Kids Hospital with the LGBTQ and trans youth clinic there um, this August. And that was going to be the huge launch of the Count Classy brand. I was going to bring, you know, my producers coming to uh, perform. Chocolair was interested in performing. I was nice. reaching out to some, you know, local celebs like Biff Naked, who you had on your show earlier. And, yeah. uh, and some of like the much music, you know, VJs and some influencers. And it was all popping and getting ready to go. And then, you know, <coughs> Rona yeah. happened. And now everything came crashing down. And so I'm working with my publicist to try to uh, create some like digital plans and, you know, uh, kind of pivot the way I want launched as an artist. Cause like, unlike a lot of the other artists in the space, I actually launched during coronavirus. And yeah. uh, now I'm trying to navigate, like how do I build a fan base when, you know, it's all digital. I can't even go out to festivals and meet, meet new fans and build a fan base organically as such so how do i do it now with the ones and zeros in the microspace uh, microspace you see how well versed i am <laughs> and on 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 the internet and on the social media channels and whatnot it's like what are my new strategies um i did it before under a pr lens how do i do it as you know a launching an emerging artist so mm. that's where i'm at right now and so here we are doing podcasts and interviews and, and, you know, meeting and networking new people. And that's one of the most important things as a new artist is uh, knowing how to network and developing meaningful business relationships. Cool. What, what happened in 2018 that you sort of changed your persona? Um, I just woke up and I was like, I'm kind of tired <laughs> of this nine to five life. I've always, I've always loved uh, the element of just embodying uh, an artist, a lifestyle of being an artist, a musician, especially, um, and then separating the kind of like PR work that I've done for previous artists under Matthew Brown, and now, you know, all the new shit that I'm doing for, can we swear on this podcast? Yep. Yep. Okay, great. All the new shit that I'm doing as like Count Classy and, and you know, developing new sounds and, and, uh, new forms of artistry and like hip hop. So to answer your question, I just woke up and I was like, I'm done with this nine to five shit. Let's just do something new. <laughs> and how did you, how did you connect? Like, I know you've worked with, I believe, I don't know if it was on the album or just in terms of development with Tone Loke and George Brown, which just blows my mind. Like, how did you, how did you connect with those guys? How did, like, do you always know them? Like, and then how did, how did you end up working with them to get to where you are today? For sure. Uh, uh, so Tomok is actually part of my family. My auntie has been with them for numerous years now. And I actually didn't know that until I was in university, like less than about 10 years ago now. And uh, I was like, holy shit, my whole life, I'm related to a celebrity through, through this relationship here. And no one in my family decided to tell me this. <laughs> and I had to kind of learn on my own when I was about to fly out to LA for the first time. And that's also in 2018 when I went out to Los Angeles. Um, uh, as Count Classy. And so 
through that network with Tony and um, going like behind the scenes and all of his concerts and going into the green rooms of some of these legendary legendary folks like TLC, Biz Markie, you know, Rob Bass, Vanilla Ice, Salt and Peppa. Like, there's a lot of big names on these bills, and uh, I was able to just network through there and and through my auntie as well. Bless her, she works in the music management industry, and she's good friends with George Brown of Cool and the Gang. And mm-hmm. one of the first times I met him. I was in his personal studio in his house and I'm just sitting there all meek and shy. I'm a little gay self from Toronto, you know, hanging out with these legendary icons in Los Angeles and Stevie Wonder calls in on the phone. George, George puts him on a speaker and I hear Stevie Wonder's voice like, (laughs) shit, is this real life? Like, who am I right now? So I'm sitting here absorbing it all and like really learning and understanding the engineering and like song production i'm listening to the stuff that he's doing in the studio and i'm helping him with royalty splits when he has to when he has to send it over to warner music as the label and i'm learning just a small you know kind of like the grunt work of what you have to do to kind of get yourself you know situated and so that you can propel and succeed into the next level so uh, i'm very fortunate to to have these guys in my network and and they're able to kind of give me advice and help me on what I should do, especially as a new upcoming gay artist in hip hop. And <laughs> to, did to you, that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say to that, to that point, um, you know, not only biracial, but also, you know, LGBTQ artist. Um, have, have there been struggles in building your persona or your, your not persona, but just, you know, inside the hip hop community. I don't know if there's, I don't know if you felt any. I would say I felt more of a pushback with the LGBT side. Cause yeah. I still think that, you know, hip hop is quite homophobic and misogynistic, yeah. even though, you know, the popular Kendrick. thing right now is to, you know, pinkwash capitalism, get the LGBT dollar. Um, that's that you're seeing that in hip hop as well. And I was, I was in, uh, I did an Instagram live video where um, a DJ from you know, down south in the States, uh, he was just listening to my music, to his fans on the live, and then they got to vote on what they liked and what they didn't like. And so they loved the song Good Vibes with Chuck Claire, mm-hmm. but they hated the song Man Number Two um, because it's a lot more uh, 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 queer than, over, over, than, yeah. than Good Vibes, right? And so they hated that song, and I was just like, okay, well, thanks so much for, you know, giving a queer artist a voice here on this platform. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of pivot it, and they're like, oh, you're queer? Oh, man, we support everyone. You know, we, 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 don't, we don't give a fuck if you're this, if you're that. But, but you literally just told me my song was trash, and it wasn't even on the music or production. It was just on the lyrics itself, right? And, 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 and so they, they, keep, they, they went on and said, like, you know, everyone in hip-hop is gay now anyways. Like, Lil Wayne did this and this and this, and, you know, so-and-so did this and this and this, and there's rumors about this. But that's the thing that's Count Classy. I'm not coming into the hip-hop industry as a closeted artist who has rumors about me. I'm not Lil Nas X who came into the industry straight and now I'm gay. I'm not Frank Ocean who came into the industry straight and guess what, now I'm bisexual, give me more fans. I'm coming in as a true, authentic, queer person and saying I'm making my own lane in this hip hop space. And the pushback I received, you know, thankfully it's not hasn't been uh, too terrible. But I've gotten DMs saying like "fag," you know, "go die," like just stupid troll things that like you click on their profile. There's 
two followers that they have, but yeah. someone actually takes the time and effort to go out of their way and make me, you know, that's their welcome uh, to me as an artist. And I'm just like, okay, let's, let's change that narrative. And hopefully I'm trying to do that with my music, bridging the mainstream to the queer crowd, you know, um, bridging the different, uh, uh, just socioeconomic statuses together and just appreciating music and what it's for. And I really uh, admire Michael Jackson, big icons like that for doing what they did in, in back in their day. And hopefully I can develop as an artist to be like an icon that people can respect, um, like how they respected them. Uh, good, good for you. Cause I can, I, you know, I wanted to ask that because I can only assume that there would be challenges that you'd be facing and you shouldn't, but <laughs> It's society, right? But it helps. It helps write my lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever um, contemplate before you um, started, you know, developing your persona and, and going public and live, uh, whether or not you wanted to come out of the closet to the general public? Well, you know, do you just is it good for my career? Is it not? Did you ever have that conversation with yourself? Uh, I did, especially at the very beginning. I was working with uh, my producer, uh, Ruben Ocean, and, and, and he at the time was just like, are you sure you want to be this flamboyant in your rapping? Like, why don't we, you know, get a bunch of bitches and booze and put that kind of shit in your music video and make it as mainstream as possible and maybe, you know, develop your fan base first and then you kind of drop the whole, like, oh, did you know I'm gay? You know, oh, nah, ha, fool, joke's on you because you're listening to my music anyways. I didn't want to do that approach. I wanted mm. to come into it, rainbows glitter, glistening strong, and say, I'm here, you know, I'm here to also represent to the younger kids that are trying to look up to people like me that I didn't have anyone to look up to as a kid, especially in hip hop, and I'm doing it my own way. And if you don't like it, I'll catch you at the meet and greet down the road. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting because it's like, you know, you saying that sort of reminded me, and again, I'm more than a few years older than you, but um, it reminds <laughs> me of the story of George Michael, right? Like, think about it from Wham! And it was all about yeah. the good looking guy, the girls loved him. And then all the, you know, and it was, you know, just all boy, girl, all boy, girl stuff. And then he came out with um, faith and sex. And it was just like, oh, and, and again, not that people didn't know at that point, but he's just more like, that's it. This is, this is who I am. And it had to take right. that to get to that point before he was able to do that, which is a shame. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, sorry, I don't know if Matt, if you want to sort of respond to that. Uh, no, I'm just, that's uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Like it, we, we, we've never really seen an artist that's dominate uh, in the queer space. Like even Adam Lambert, right? He, he came into American Idol and as a pop star, as straight, and it got leaked that he was gay. There was no real, you know, gay, blazing, strong, rainbow, glistening, I am yeah. in your face, you know, out there. And, and that's where I think the gap is needs to be filled. Nice. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, because Greg, you bring up a good point. Um, there's this... Um, the, the toll that it takes, Count Classy, in terms of people's mental health, um, about struggling with their identity, struggling with their sexuality, uh, struggling with how the outside world sees and reacts to them. Um, right. 
and, and I'm wondering your your thoughts on that as 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 like you said, you know, no one, um, very few people at that at, at the most have have come out right at the beginning of their careers. And again, whether it's in music or whether it's in athletics, um, right. you know, it's 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 not a sometimes it's a decision about what's best for business. Sometimes it's 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 something that they struggle with, even maybe telling their mom or dad, or or their siblings or their best friend, um, and it's something that they've learned to you know be confined in this space or or with these walls up, so that they don't get hurt or they protect them protect their own mental health. And and I'm, I'm I've always sort of wondered the toll that it takes um, to the toll that it takes on an individual to, to sort of keep that locked inside. Right. And I mean, I can only talk about my own experience and, and I have many friends that are um, queer. They're, they're transitioning between their identities. They are non-binary, mm. they're transgender. And I know for a fact that their lived experiences are, is completely different than myself as a cisgender gay male. And, and, that's why, as Count Classy, I try to do, uh, I try to write lyrics in my music that's quite uplifting, like in my song, Good Vibes, Everybody Be Who You Want to Be, you know, Don't Hide, Fly High, kind of just being like, embrace your identity and let the, let the world love you for who you are, because as many haters as there are, there's going to be more people that will love you for that, and um, yeah. I'm, the biggest message I have to like, you know, those, you know, transgender community and, and whatnot is that you have a community uh, who loves and supports you and, and you, you got myself to start with. And, and uh, being queer, you know, uh, growing up, you're not even sure what the hell these, these feelings are. Why do I feel different than that other person? And you're in, you know, sex ed class and you're like, what's, what's going on? I'm not registering this kind of information. There's something wrong with me, right? And it does take a it does take a mental toll, and I think you see that in the high suicide rates with with queer youth, and you um, you just see that just in the media and how we're represented in the media. If it's not a hate crime, it's you know a tokenization of look at look at what we did for this queer couple. You know, come support my business, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and you uh, you get tired of it. So, you, so I, I find that using my uh, artistry, my 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 poetry, my lyricism. It's kind of like an escapism for me to kind of just get away from that and kind of explore what that queer identity is inside of me that's screaming, that wants to come out, and I want to put it into like my music so that it's not, you know, chipping away at my brain and my psych. It's able to kind of grow and flourish on its own, uh, on its own form. And so for me, LGBT has to include the Q, you know, it has to include the queer umbrella and I have been doing a lot more of my marketing just always adding the queue and just being a full you know complete ally in solidarity to like my uh, non-binary and you know non-gender conforming uh, folks my transgender brothers and sisters and and siblings and I uh, just want to say that me as a queer artist I'm there for you and uh, you have a community that loves you and please get any sort of help you know, if you feel like you are at a place where you need to reach out, this is your call to do so. That's really cool. Tell me about um, the making of Seven Deadly Sins. I know you released a number of singles uh, before uh, right. before this, this project. Um, but tell me about, you know, did you set out to, okay, I'm going to make an EP, I'm going to make an album, 
Uh, so let me sit down and write a bunch of songs or lyrics and work with a producer. Tell me sort of the genesis of, of this particular release. So I actually wrote Buy It All back in 2013 Ooh. on the hype of the Young Money train. You know, Nicki Minaj was big, so that's why some of the lyricism kind of sounds a bit Young Money-esque. Um, but I envisioned the Seven Deadly Sins concept um, about 2018 or so. I was working with um, my producer at the time, Ruben, and uh, I actually met him through ghostwriting, uh, social media ghostwriting, logging in as different uh, celebrities. And I found him and then I logged in through Count Classy and was like, hey, I'm, I'm actually this person who talked to you on this account. Uh, are you interested in, you know, uh, developing this album with me? And uh, he, he was like, yeah, I'm down. So we discussed budgets and we, I paid uh, for exclusive rights on each of the songs. And uh, we developed, uh, uh, we developed a couple songs and I knew that I wanted to have this concept album because for me, albums are dead. If it's not a concept album, release your songs as singles. That's just, that just makes mm -hmm. the most sense in business right now in 2020 music, digital marketing. But as a concept album, I wanted to create something that is like an art form on its own and can stand on its own. And that's how the inception of Seven Deadly Sins came to be. So Man Number Two, Volcano were the last two songs that I had to write. And I actually wrote those after the idea of Seven Deadly Sins. So it was a lot easier to kind of curb my lyrics towards what I needed to do, depending on that sin. Interesting. So each song covers a sin? A different, yeah, a different sin. So, you know, Buy It All is Greed. Too Classy mm. for Ya is Pride. Uh, good Vibes is, is Sloth because when you smoke weed, you just want to sit on the couch all day. You know? <laughs> uh, but it's such a happy song, you know? <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's an uplifting song, but, you know, sometimes when I'm lazy, I'm happy too. I don't, I don't want to do nothing. <laughs> You know, missing no meals is, is gluttony. Man number two, there's a whole rap verse where I just kill a bunch of guys that have done me wrong. That's wrath. And, you know, volcano, make you explode like a volcano. That's lust. And then you got the life. You know, I'm living the life. Be envious of me. So that's, that rounds up the album. <laughs> that, is, that is crazy. T tell, me, tell me about this ghostwriting thing. Um, I was like, yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess we've done it, you know, with, with, with brands, right? Where it's not really, um, you know, my first iteration in, in sort of the whole digital media was, uh, was community management for brands. Um, right. So I never worked for these companies, you know, at these companies, but I was, or myself and maybe our, our, our company was tweeting for them or, you know, was putting up Facebook posts or videos and stuff like that. Uh, but how does one get into ghostwriting for celebrities? Networks. That's, that's <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, it's your network is your net worth, right? So um, you're, you can be uh, like a, a verified ghostwriter if that's like your career and you can be hired through that. But yeah. the way that I was hired was through my networks with my, my uncle Tony. And, and through then, I, you know, I worked with George Brown. I did a lot of uh, ghostwriting for a couple artists that were on a bill on tour. Um, primarily, I did digital media on their end, so I would respond to fans and just uh, update their lives, you know, or what I thought would be with their lives 
mostly they're probably listening to good vibes, smoking weed and sitting on a couch, not doing anything. So they, <laughs> they, they hire these young, you know, young kids like myself and, you know, uh, to manage their digital profile, because I don't know yeah. if you know, but social media gets overwhelming and especially sure. someone of that caliber you know, if you want to develop and maintain your fan base, you have to be constantly engaged with them. But just talking about mental health, like, you know, five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, yeah, yeah. it takes a toll on an individual and you're constantly being harassed with notifications. So what they do is they, uh, they hire a bunch of ghostwriters to kind of handle those accounts. And then once I was situated through that, I ended up um, doing lyrical ghostwriting as well and, and uh, submitting that to different uh, medias and getting it picked up in a couple songs. So that was cool too. Wait, what does that mean? Lyrical ghostwriting? What's that? Meaning like writing verses and, and melodies for artists. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Yeah, but you don't get credited for it. So, you know, they can win a Grammy and you're just sitting here in your living room, you know, just being like, oh shit, I wish I was there in that beautiful table getting that Botox care package <laughs> that they give to everyone on the way out. <laughs> Look at me over here with these saggy cheeks. You know? <laughs> And I was talking about my butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People can't see where you pointed. <laughs> it's a podcast. I know. <laughs> when when well, did you start when did you start, you know, writing lyrics and rhymes and stuff? How how early were you doing that? Uh, about 2013. But when I did buy it all, uh, I was sitting in a park smoking weed. I was in the middle of university, didn't feel like handing in that essay, so I took an L and handed it in late, but I wrote that song. And I uh, was listening to a lot of Young Money and also listening to a lot of old school music. So uh, from there, I think that's what kind of formed a bit of how I write my, my lyrics is a blend of like old school and new school. And, uh, and um, just sitting in parks and thinking of rhymes and, and little sentences that could work as like a punchline, or if I thought of like a cool diss, I would like record it on my cell phone and then work it into, uh, into a rap verse. So who, really who, cool. who, you mentioned about, you know, old school and new school, who were some of your real core inspirations? Like who? Definitely Salt and Peppa. Mm -hmm. um, I think that what they brought to the industry was, you know, pioneer, like, you know, female empowerment, OG is, is definitely, uh, mm -hmm. Cheryl and Sandra, salt, salt and pepper. And, um, I love, 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 uh, Rob bass. You know, I think that he created one of the best songs of all time. Um, I love, uh, NWA. I mean, uh, 90s hip hop, especially, especially a lot of lot of core messaging in that music that you don't mm. necessarily see today. And I mean, mm. we could talk about that as well. And and uh, um, I would say that kind of transcended into like the the 2000s R and B, like that uh, that really inspired some of my artistry as well. And and you kind of hear that in things like Man Number Two and and Volcano when I do a lot of like vocal riffs and whatnot. And um, yeah, that's pretty much who kind of, obviously Tone Loke, I mean, I've listened to his music now for, for quite, a, quite a while, but um, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, pretty much who inspired me back then. You talk about the lyrics of, uh, of NWA versus what, what we hear predominantly now. 
in that. Yeah, the struggle and oppression of, you know, a lived experience. And you see that across a lot of different artists back in the day. And um, while I appreciate, you know, today's rap and, and what they uh, rap about, I mean, it's garbage in comparison to what it was 10, 20 years ago. And I think anyone can really agree on that, but no one really has, you know, the chutzpah to really say it. Um, because right now it's, it's money, drugs, bitches, that's what sells, that's what people want. And you're going to continue writing what people want. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always refer to the whole, um, uh, profound statement that Annie Lennox said, uh, from the Eurythmics. And, and she said, um, during one of the awards shows, she probably was contracted to go and do the award show. She didn't want to be there. And she was like, you know, there is a difference between the art of music and the industry of music. Mm. And that is, that is one of the biggest takeaways um, I've, I, I've gotten. And uh, going forward, I keep that in mind. Like when I'm writing a song, I'm like, is this an art of music song? Or is, you know, is this an, uh, an industry of music song? Do I want to create something that's going to um, be documented in years to come? Scholars are gonna look at it and see, look at the cultural impact and what it had to the community and whatnot. Or do I want something that's going to make me a quick buck that people are going to forget about two, three years from now because the beat is repetitive and, and there's five more songs that sound the same as this song? You know, do I want the, yeah. the quick gain or do I want the slow burn? And so that is something I also struggled with in my first album. Um, I, definitely, uh, I definitely am going to change, I think, a bit on how I want to pursue my artistry on my next album going forward. But it's always that struggle of being iconic versus sometimes just being relevant. Yeah, that's so true. Do you, do you think with the current racial political environment, especially in the States, but in here, here in Canada as well, do you think we'll see in the, in the upcoming months um, a change in what artists sing about, rap about? I, I definitely think so. I think um, right now that is predominant in underground music, you mm. know. Um, uh, but when once you cross that threshold, you know, whoever is paying you that paycheck, they kind of dictate what they want, uh, what they want to uh, write about or, or showcase to the to the crowds. And I think that as we become more normalized to protesting and and uh, every single social issue that's going on, it's, it's dominating our day-to-day -day lives more so than how it did five years ago, 10 years ago. We, we attribute that to social media. But as that becomes more dominant, I think you're gonna see that more into the mainstream, especially now you hear, and I'm using the pandemic as an example, sure. um, uh, Trolls by 6 9 and Nicki Minaj, you know, she talks about her flow is so sick, I ain't talking a pandemic. And so she's already referencing things that are uh, relevant and present. And I think that you're going to see that more in mainstream artists as the fans actually demand to see that more. I mm. think now people are getting tired of the whole um, rinse, wash and repeat of the drugs, the money, the bitches. Like you're kind of seeing more uh, differences in what they're rapping about. I think Roddy Rich does a great job. Um, the baby as well. And, 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 uh, I think that's going to become the norm. I think that it's going to uh, change depending on who's growing up and what kind of struggle they have. Yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. You, you, you talk about, you've used the words icon 
to describe right. sort of the, your, your future, um, how people remember your music. You've, you've got some big goals, some big dreams. Where, where, does, oh, that I, come from? where does that come from? I think, um, you know, as, as a queer kid, you kind of look up to a lot of divas and okay. I grew up, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of Beyonce, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Brandy, and also quite enjoyed, you know, Prince, Michael Jackson, um, Madonna, you know, the 70s, you know, 70s rock bands, uh, uh, <laughs> old school Pink Floyd, like these are these are timeless acts that um, I kind of I feel like I'm in the right place, right time right now to kind of uh, create music that's going to last for quite a long time, especially in the queer community, because it's all such a new space. So it's like, why waste the opportunity? Let's create something that could resonate with a lot of people and be timeless and iconic. And I'm working on a new project right now with um, uh, a lot of other queer rappers, and we're going to collaborate on one track and make it an anthem. So I want to create something that uh that kind of lasts that, like i said like, like you know music scholars can look back and teach in university you know this is what happened you know with count classy and his music and hopefully i instill you know positive change to the upcoming generation and and positive change to hip-hop as well i think it's i think it's bullshit how um how marginal like how um how they treat marginalized women and how they treat uh gay and lgbtq folks especially especially in Caribbean and dance hall music. I think that, I think that time is coming to an end. I think we need to change that narrative, but I'm trying to do that with hip hop right now. And uh, I think the, the time is now. <laughs> the time is now. That, that, is, that is so, so true. Um, what's, what's sort of next for you in terms of, I know you talked about this, this project that you're doing. Um, with uh, with other uh queer musicians and artists um it sort of reminded me what was it that chocolate was on this project was it northern touch what was that song greg back in the day that uh that hip-hop and canadian hip-hop anthem that came out many years ago they sort of redid it for the rappers run last year northern touch northern something do you remember count classy that song oh my goodness I I'd have to hear it. I have to hear it, but he he did collaborate. I know he did collaborate with a lot of other yeah. uh, artists to create that anthem to to be used in the Raptors. I'm I'm relying on Greg to uh, to quickly go onto Wikipedia and uh, and Google to to check that out as as he types that in as I as I stretch this question over almost a minute now. Greg is going to find and Greg, why, do you have why, it? Why do I pay him the big bucks? <laughs> <laughs> Greg, back to go on. While, while Greg is searching that, I, yes, actually, yes. Was, <laughs> I actually was inspired um, by We're All in the Same Gang by the West Coast All-Stars. Uh, Tone Look was on that. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of big names was on that. And they kind of came together to talk about anti-violence in in gangs and and taking that shit off the streets and don't like you know like like uh, uh essentially we're all from the we're all from the same kind of hood and, and why are we why are we you know hurting each other why are we promoting this kind of shit so uh they all came together created a huge anthem of such and uh through that i was inspired to kind of do this upcoming project 
Nice. So Chalk Lair. Um, Covered the Rascals. Up, yeah, teamed up with the Rascals yeah. for the yeah. song Northern Touch. Yeah. That's, that's what that song, that's what that song was. So it sounds like you want to do something similar uh, with, uh, with that project, Count Classy. Yeah, I mean, collaboration is key. It's always great to, uh, oh, you can also develop a huge fan base with other artists as well uh, and their fans. Um, the, the, the cool thing about this upcoming project is that it's all charity based. So I'm, I'm looking at about 10 artists as rosters, each having their own verse and each mm -hmm. one uh, donating all of their royalties to their charity of choice. So this should be uh, a pretty cool PR move. I feel like it's positive in all the right directions. And uh, hopefully it, it kind of uh, solidifies LGBTQ hip hop a bit more uh, as being relevant in the space, as well as giving back to, you know, our own chosen charities. And of course, sure. mine is uh, Sick Kids Toronto. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, so why, why Sick Kids for you? What's uh, I think the, the LGBTQ and trans youth clinic, I think it's mm. uh, yep. totally, uh, they're like pioneers in the space right now. And, and I think uh, the focus is on youth, obviously, with, with children as sick kids. And I think that what they're doing is very important work. And we talk about, you know, mental health and the struggles of um, queer folk. And I think that what they're doing is, you know, so relevant, so important, so needed. And if I can help them with you know, the platform that I have, um, why not? Let's, let's do it. it. The time is now. There's so many artists out there that, you know, they don't do uh, as much as, you know, they should be doing with their platform. And if I can start like that as an, uh, you know, up and coming artist as already, you know, raising money to donate to Sick Kids Hospital and doing that kind of shit, why can't these big artists that are making millions of dollars a year do the same thing? And, mm -hmm. and, I kind of like challenge them to kind of, you know, visit their, um, their, their, their charity side, their philanthrop philanthropic side. Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, and kind of like do more with the, with the power that they have. Cool. What, uh, what can your fans expect next? How, uh, how else are you, what else are you going to be doing to support this new release? Uh, I know it's, it's, it's tough for, for musicians, especially yourself with, with your first release, but what's, uh, what's up and coming? Up and coming. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to finish off my music video that I started filming before coronavirus in Los Angeles. It was mm -hmm. on Malibu Beach. It was super fun. Uh, I flew out there with my videographer. So I got a couple of video projects I want to release uh, that complements the album. But uh, I'm actually writing, you know, new material for my next album right now, kind of changing up my sound a little bit, um, uh, exploring new things with that album, and uh, planning on the big launch with Sick Kids. I still want to uh, uh, do that live concert and performance and, and bring all the big players in and kind of celebrate the diversity we have in Toronto, the diversity in hip-hop that we're starting to see, and just... Uh, have a good time and, and, and do some good shit for our community. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we usually like to finish off with one question. The one thing I do want to touch on is, uh, and, and, and I, I, I feel you on this one condolences to the loss of your pup the other day oh, or the other week. Um, so I just want to pass. Uh, we, I, we just lost our two goldens just the week before. So, uh, so I just wanted to pass that along. My condolences about that. Um, but on, but oh, thank you. But on, but anyway, on a more uplifting 
point or question. Um, I usually like to ask, what, what's in your ears lately? What are you listening to? Ooh. You know what? I tend to put it on a Spotify, uh, like the new hits, like a new Canadian hits or new American hits or new hip hop, new rap. And I'll just put it on random and I'll see what intrigues me. Um, I can't really pinpoint right now who I'm listening to. I actually really like Doja Cat. I think that uh, she is super, super fun, sexy, flirty, uh, gorgeous. I think she writes uh, great, great music. Uh, her team writes great music. Um, Nicki Minaj always, uh, uh, definitely Roddy Rich uh, is hot right now. Megan The Stallion, I'm really enjoying. Um, and also now going into like the EDM side, uh, I don't want to say too much about it, but I'm starting to explore more of the electronic dance side and hip hop uh, on my next album. So starting to listen to kind of like EDM artists that you can never remember their names of, but you remember their melody, right? Yeah. That's the cool thing about EDM, right? You never know who sings it, but you always know that song. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to pinpoint, not pinpoint, but just like rolling the Rolodex and seeing what kind of new song pops in my ear. Awesome. Count Classy, tell everybody where they can go to find more information about you to listen to your music. Okay. You can go on to Google, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Count Classy, Count with a C, Classy with a K. And if you want to listen to me, I'm absolutely everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, the random streaming service from China that I found on, online. <laughs> don't even know it. I can't even read it because it's in a completely different language. Um, it's funny because they actually blurred out the word gay because I used the word gay in some of my lyrics. Uh, so it's interesting to see how that censorship works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, everywhere, if you just Google my name, Count Classy, Count with a C, Classy with a K, it'll actually pull up at all the sources that you can listen to my music and support me and follow me. CountClassy.com if you want a signed limited edition of my first release. Um, if we go down the iconic role, I expect it to uh, sell for quite a large <laughs> amount of money in about 10 years. <laughs> Hopefully <Perfect>. five. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Awesome. But yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> awesome. Count Classy, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And um, all the best to you and uh, have an awesome career. Yeah, thank you so and, much, and, guys. And, and thank you for representing the LGBTQ community. Honestly, thank you guys for giving us the platform and, and the voice to do what is necessary to do. I mean, it, uh, we always, uh, we're so divisive in our communities, but... Uh, I love my allies, and I think that together we can create such positive change for the future. So thank you. Awesome. Thank Take you. care, buddy. Bye, guys. Stay safe. You as well. <laughs>